Bazaar is a podcast that deals with mature subject matter that some listeners may find offensive or upsetting. The Bazaar is not recommended for any listeners under 18 years of age. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Welcome to The Bazaar. So we're joining for you. <laughs> I'm supposed to say I'm joining you. No, we are joining from two very messy spaces, which is like so great. I want to meet the person that like washes clothes, dries clothes, and then puts them away in the same day because I don't do that. I, I can't do that. A, I don't oh. have a drying rack that's big enough. And they just, they end up on the dining room table that I don't use because I'm one person. So I usually just eat dinner on my couch by myself while watching Broadchurch. Anyways, that being said, mm-hmm. there is a glorious pile of laundry behind me and Morgan's moving. <laughs> oh, I am I am now in my new space, which is nice. I like the mirror behind you. Fun little uh, fact about it. It's my mother's. It's actually a bar. Um, it was for anyone who might know, it's uh, if you ever went to the Royal, the Royal Tavern in Kingston, um, they remodeled and my mom got the old bar, like a part of the old bar and used the wood to make a mirror. What, what, um, where was it? It's on that? Princess Street. I it's on Princess sure. Street. Up by like, like um, there. it's, it's really close to the Tim Hortons across the street from that church where Blockbuster used to be like yes, around yes. where, yeah. Okay. I for sure, I for sure seen that. I know where that is. My apartment, my old apartment was like, I can say this now because I don't live there. Um, my old apartment <laughs> was like very close to that. So I know it where was, that is. Yeah. Yeah. I used to get waxed yeah. right next door to that place. <laughs> I got my body I, dehaired there. <laughs> I got waxed down the street, like still on Princess, but way down the street once. And it was the most painful experience of my life. Like it's more painful than, but the thing is, is that it was more painful than it needed to be. Like she was bad right. at it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, so. like there's, I've, I've never once had a waxing experience that isn't painful. I mean, like it doesn't yeah. hurt when I get my eyebrows done anymore, mm-hmm. but the rest of my body is a different story completely. Oh yeah. I bought, um, speaking of waxing stories, if we're going off of this. Why um, not? Was... Let's talk about body hair. This is the body hair yeah. episode of the bazaar. <laughs> <laughs> um, I bought. I was trying to look for sugaring wax. You know that stuff that people yes. are really into right now that's yeah. like yeah. supposed to be pretty painless and is also like you don't use the strips and stuff like that uh-huh. and all of that. I don't stuff. believe it, by the way. I don't believe that there is a painless hair removal process. Well, that's my thing. Like, I didn't think that it was going to be painless. I just yeah. thought like, oh, it's not going to be as messy and like probably right. a little bit more easy to, like more intuitive to use. So I was trying to find that. Um bought what I thought was sugaring wax nope just normal normal like hot it's soft wax but it was still like you gotta put the strips on you gotta and it just oh so it's sitting in with my well currently in a moving box but sitting in my bathroom for like three weeks and I'm just staring at it because it was gonna be my like go-to bikini line thing but i don't want to use that on my bikini line as someone who who has frequently gotten brazilian waxes 
Um, for those who don't wax and do not know what that is, Google it. Um, it is the most painful thing I've ever experienced with because I have such thick, dark, coarse hair because my father's Mediterranean. There's not other things that I can do, especially that I'm comfortable with come bathing suit season. Like I don't do this because I feel like I have to. I do this because this is something that I like for my own comfortability. Um, mm-hmm. It's just so hard to find other methods because shaving is not, I'm like a chia pet. So if I shave, it's just there two hours later. Like that's what it feels yeah. Yeah. It just, and like, I don't have the willpower to do it myself, you know? No, no. (laughs) So before we get started today, I wanted to do like a recommendation. Everyone's probably going to yell at me about this, but I finally hopped on the Broadchurch train. I am so slow. I'm so, I know that I'm recommending a show that's been out for years. Um, I'm now on season three and I am so triggered by season three. It's season three is a lot to handle. I was not okay. This sounds very bad. Season one and two are about like child murders. That's all I'm gonna say. Uh, and I wasn't bothered by that, which makes me sound so heartless. <laughs> I realize that makes me sound very problematic. I was not bothered by them, but this this one is about season three I'm only like two episodes in but it seems to be centering around a rape uh sexual assault Mm -hmm. that is like very violently described Mm -hmm. and I was like I watched one episode last night and I was like usually I marathon it but I was like I can't marathon season three like I feel so shitty trying to marathon this third season yeah it gets better throughout the season like it's not as aggressive um but it's definitely, it also, you can kind of tell, I don't know if you're going to be able to tell this, but the first two seasons were shot like relatively consecutively. And the third season, I think there were like a couple of years in between because they weren't actually going to like, that was just going to be the end. But then they like the show picked up so much traction that they got picked up for a third season. Um, so I think the like shift in narrative and like the like, difference is kind of due to that like they waited a few years and then they came back with that so that would that would make sense I was just kind of like oh it was the same kind of reaction I had when I watched the show unbelievable I also Mm -hmm. couldn't binge that show because I was just like this is so viscerally horrible great actors though like really well done show I don't think they're doing it in a in a bad way I don't Mm -hmm. think it's like done in in a tasteless way or anything it's done in a very real way which I think is what makes it so difficult yeah right like it's not in a very theatrical like Mm -hmm. false sense it's like in a sense of like oh like this is like real shit um Mm -hmm. yeah but anyways that's my recommendation that is like 10 almost 10 years old is it 10 years old oh god I hope not oh my god wait I gotta look look this up I've gotta look this up hold on let me okay so season three of Broadchurch came out in 2013 Okay, so not I, 10 years. I, not 10 years, but we're getting there. It, it'll yeah. be 10 years very soon. Um, I guess, and I guess that means that the previous seasons would have been shot earlier. So, oh God. This is almost akin to when I was talking to a professor of mine and they had just discovered Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, where have you been for the 90s? Listen, where have you been for the 90s? 
Um, listen, a lot of people don't know and or have never watched Buffy, and I think that is a crime. I will say I don't support Joss Whedon or anything he does. However, oh God, no. Yeah. Um, I say I don't support anything he does. I've watched basically everything he's done. But what I'm saying is I don't support him as a person. I do, however, love Buffy. Like, it is my favorite TV show. And I... It upsets me that such a gross man created my favorite TV show. However, I do own the DVD set. So when I watch it, I feel like I'm not giving him any more money. So (laughs) there you go, because you bought it once and that's it. I feel the same way about anything Disney related. I'm like, Walt Disney was a supreme racist and um, horrible person. Do I love the Lion King? Yes. Um, I feel <laughs> deeply conflicted about my my enjoyment of things. Same with Harry Potter. I feel the same way with Harry Potter. I'm like, I do not support J.K. Rowling. Love Harry Potter. Um, yeah. I feel deeply conflicted about this. Oh, that being said, Morgan, um, I have a question to ask you this week. Oh my God. I love being on the other end of this game. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Are you ready to time travel? Uh, almost always as long as it's good (laughs) oh I'm really sorry to tell you we're not going anywhere good (laughs) oh man (laughs) um we're gonna go on like a vacation to a hotel but don't (gasps) worry we're not going to the Cecil hotel we've been there we've done that okay I will give the new documentary honorable mentions because it was well done it did unearth some information that I did not know about the case originally when I recorded this Cecil Hotel episode throwback mm-hmm. um the Cecil Hotel should just be condemned that's all I'm gonna say <laughs> it should <Yeah>. not <laughs> I think yeah. uh, Los Angeles you need to care for your lower income um, mentally ill and homeless communities and uh, you I too also, Toronto <laughs> I also will say yeah. I'm text while I was watching the Cecil Hotel documentary I texted my friend and said if i die mysteriously and they use my tumblr posts as a reason to think i committed suicide oh my god that on top of them being like she wasn't properly taking her medication i literally i voice recorded a memo on my phone and sent it to my friend and she saved it (laughs) as a joke as being like this is my proof because i will literally just off the like sheer like forgetfulness of my brain forget to take my antidepressants for like four days and so I have like a pile up of medication because I forgot to take it and so the police like counting how many pills I have in a bottle and when I got it renewed to like map out whether or not I was properly taking my medication I promise you that has nothing to do with my death (laughs) I'm just stupid (laughs) I'm so terrified of getting murdered one day not for the sheer trauma that is involved with the violent act itself but with what the police are going to find about my life privately and then publicize it in order to help solve the case if they find my finsta I'm going to be so upset. They're going to use my TikToks to try and analyze oh, my personality. Yeah. And they're going to realize I'm as broken as I seem. <laughs> but it's one of those situations where, like, I feel so bad because, like, yeah, maybe all of these things were clues to lead to someone who might have had suicidal thoughts. But also, right. like, I've, like, I've also made 
ridiculously deep, stupid Tumblr posts because that was the thing. When Who they hasn't? Bringing, Who hasn't? When they started bringing, exactly. When they started bringing up her Tumblr post, when they were like, oh, she was really into the vintage aesthetic and the great Gatsby. I was like, you mean everyone on Tumblr in 2012? <laughs> I was like, it was oh my very, God. it was very triggering because I was like, I'm gonna be so yeah. embarrassed. I, I'm yeah. gonna haunt everybody just for oh, the fact man. that they pulled pictures that I was tagged in on Facebook and not ones that I posted myself. You need to promise me that if I die mysteriously, the picture they use in the newspaper, Morgan, has to be a selfie that I've taken and that is on okay. my Instagram. Okay. Okay. I so will. you've all heard it here. Morgan <laughs> has promised. <laughs> Anyways, okay. Today we're going to another hotel that much like the Cecil has a very awful past. This is the hotel that I sent you the TikTok about. (gasps) Yeah, okay, I'm excited about this. We're going to Arkansas. This week, we're talking about the Crescent Hotel. (gasps) Arkansas. Arkansas, (laughs) Kansas, Arkansas, America, explain. Explain. Um, (laughs) (laughs) If you thought the Overlook Hotel was bad, oh my gosh, this place makes that place look like a fancy airbnb um yeah we're talking about ghosts crooked cancer clinics men with curly mustaches portals demons the amount of amenities this hotel has is really off the charts (laughs) i think men with curly mustaches definitely makes the top (laughs) it really is it's it just adds a little bit of flair it adds a little bit of spice um So the Crescent Hotel was fully constructed in May of 1886 in Eureka Springs, Arkansas. I was thinking, is Eureka the name of a drag queen? Because I was like, the entire time I was putting this together, that's all I could think about. She was the one who was in, I think, season nine, but then broke her knee, so (gasps) had to leave. So she came back in season 10. Okay, I thought so. The entire time I was writing this episode, that was the only thing I could think about. (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was just picturing Eureka the drag queen. <laughs> yes. So it was built by the Eureka Springs Improvement Company and the Frisco Railroad as America's most luxurious hotel. It featured large, airy rooms. It was comfortable and offered its guests opulence with convenience and service. Oh. I would like that opulence. to be my new <laughs> my new Instagram bio. Opulence with convenience and service. <laughs> yeah (laughs) so they hosted galas with guests such as james blaine didn't know who this was so i had to google it he was the republican nominee at the time as well as composer harry barton so this was like a very like fancy establishment that catered to like the the top of the social classes at that time and it was also a very big touristy thing for like people to like go out to this like beautiful hotel and have like a grand experience with all their like steamer trunks and shit. I don't know what people did back then um, mm-hmm. other than like smoke cigarettes indoors with no windows open and talk mm-hmm. about jazz. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Pluto, Pluto agrees with me. <laughs> I love how every time we record this podcast, it's your cat standing in front of the computer directly and you having to weave around their fur. Yeah. Okay, uh, just, dude. I'm really just getting a huge butt shot of your cat right now. <laughs> uh, okay. Morgan, here's another point of... Oh, wait, no. Yes. 
Okay. No, I missed information. Hold on. Back, 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 quick. <laughs> Backpedal. Backpedal. The Crescent Hotel actually was, at that time and is again today, a very beautiful looking property. It's basically like this manor or like castle type structure that's literally amongst the mountains. I Googled Ooh. it and saw like wedding pictures and shit. And I was like, mm, Pinterest? Mm. Like, it's, it's very beautiful. You did not know the sinister past of this place. Okay. So I have a fun like segue point of information that you might enjoy. Cats have been one of the mainstays of those to visit this historic hotel. There have been many cats as she holds up her cat, Pluto. <laughs> Pluto's like, fuck it, put me down. I don't want to be here. Um, there have been many cats that have walked the halls of this spa resort since opening in 1886. But it wasn't until 1973 that one of their feline residents became like very famous. His name was, oh. yeah, a famous cat. His name was Morris. He was an orange tabby cat that one day sauntered into the lobby. And then he just stayed for 21 years. He of just walked he into the main tabby. doors. He walked in, sat down in the lobby, and everyone who worked at the hotel and the owners of the hotel were just like, sure, like, let's let him stay. He became so important that he was referred to as the general manager stop oh my god general manager morris just wait it gets even better they would outfit him with a uniform and during the visit like during like someone's visit to the crescent hotel it wouldn't be complete without a morris sighting or better yet a chance to pet this hospitality icon guests would yeah it's it's so cute guests would love it when they'd see him enter and exit get this through his specially constructed kitty door at the front entrance. Oh my god. It was oh, yeah. You know like the world sucks and people suck but sometimes people don't suck, you know? Sometimes people <laughs> elaborately plan and uh, execute entire hotel things around a cat like they made him a uniform they made him a door get this too his door was flanked on both the interior and exterior sides by carpeted steps to allow the ease of coming and going oh my god okay. oh i'm not gonna be able to stop thinking about morris for the next week <laughs> are you ready to cry now so yes. <laughs> when morris passed away more than 300 people attended his farewell ceremony held at the hotel. Yeah. <laughs> More people cared about this cat than they ever will about me. And I thought about that a lot. <laughs> like, he was so loved, this cat. Which is just like the, cu the cutest thing. The cutest thing. People were like, he was an integral member of the staff. But then I'm sitting there thinking, like, how? Like, what did he actually do? <laughs> Nothing. And good for him. Happiness. He brought happiness. Exactly. Probably some cutters. <sighs> okay. Uh, I probably, yeah, I probably should have saved that. I probably should have saved that silver lining. I don't know. But um, because it's just. 
it it's worse from here on out it's 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 so much worse oh god yeah i'm sorry so morgan let's meet norman norman is going to be a very central figure in this story Um, i'm assuming norman is my cat norman is a human man which is like the worst type of human yeah i'm kidding men can be great they can also be horrible this is the entirety of history has shown us um so norman baker was born on november 27th in 1882 muscanty muscant america why muscanty iowa i'm just gonna say iowa he was born in iowa um Mm. which i forget is a place like all the time i forget iowa exists like like i did not remember iowa existed until doing this script um (laughs) (laughs) i forgot that was a place um he was the youngest of 10 children and in 1898 at the age of 16 norman quit his high school job Uh, sorry not (laughs) fuck okay (laughs) Norman quit high school to take up a job as a as a me- mechanist, mechanist, as a mechanist. It isn't like a mechanic, it's a mechanist. I don't know what the difference is, but anyways, he dropped out of school to take a job as most kids did at that time. Uh, so he traveled from town to town working as a tool maker where he could. Okay, so he made tools. He made tools. That's what he did. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a tool who made other tools. It's fine. <gasps> yes. Um, one night, Norman saw a, quote, mental suggestion magic, magic show by a performer named Professor Flint. Norman was captivated by Flint's abilities and resolved to start a similar show of his own. After a few false starts, Norman got his performance troupe off the ground in 1904. The star of his show was a mind reader with the stage name Madame Pearl Tangley. The show was a hit. Yeah, I know. It's actually like a really good name. Uh, The show was a hit and found an audience on the vaudeville circuit. So the show continued on for about like four years until the summer of 1914. Um, He had actually married um, a college girl named Teresa Pinder, who replaced Madame Tangley um, when she like quit the show. Okay. Um, So Mr. and Mrs. Baker at this point, so Teresa and Norman, found themselves back in Iowa for a long break from the show. They had intended to go back out on the road in the fall, but fate intervened. Oh? (laughs) Oh, fate, our good friend fate. So while tinkering in his brother's machine shop that summer, Norman came up with an innovation of a new kind of organ called the Air Caliaphone. I've never heard of this. Anyways, this instrument played with air rather than steam, making it much more efficient. He sold the first one for $500, which is just under $10,000 in today's money. Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) Inflation, Jesus. Jesus is right. Um, Suddenly the amusement business didn't seem so attractive anymore. So he decided to quit the show altogether and manufacture this new invention, which soon made him like a very wealthy man because people needed hobbies back then, which is fair. <laughs> there was nothing for so, people you know, to do. <laughs> you know, a hobby being rich. 
<laughs> right? Like there was nothing to do but like churn butter and stare at each other. So like, I don't know what people or, uh, did back then. No. Um, what's the John Mulaney bit? Guess we're gonna <laughs> put on our fancy hats and go wave at a boat. Do we know anyone? No. <laughs> yeah. We saw those videos of people waving at ships leaving. Yeah, that's <laughs> what else did you do? And those ships moved so slowly, so you'd be standing there freaking waving forever. It's like Bye-bye. People- it's like those people who still do that with cruise ships. I'm like they're standing there waving up at Royal Caribbean as it leaves port, and I'm like, oh god. Um I don't love, I don't like cruise ships. I don't, it's not my thing. Anyways, Mm -hmm. we're at 1915. (laughs) It is a very good year for Norman Baker. Uh, He quit the theater business. He divorced his wife and became a full-time manufacturer. What are you doing, you know? <laughs> Way to just go full capitalism real quick. Uh-huh. Yeah. At its height, this business pulled in $200,000 a year. In 1920, this was so much so much money that he opened an art correspondence school called the Tangley School. He freely admitted in opening this school that he could not draw at all himself, but that it didn't stop him from netting over $75,000 in three years ostensibly teaching other people how to draw, even though he could not draw. I mean, yeah. <laughs> the, sheer, the sheer audacity of white men. It's like, it's the same vibe as that guy that wasn't a doctor, but said he was a doctor and would like check out patients and stuff. Yep. Yep. We have, we have more about those kind of doctors in this episode. Just wait. Oh, good. We're back to shit on doctors again this week. We're back. We're bringing it back. Um, So Norman always tried to cloak his business maneuverings as civic duty or a magnanimous human crusade, but he never undertook any venture that didn't come with his own healthy profit margin. Like he wasn't teaching people to draw out of the good of his heart. He was like teaching people to draw and give me your money for it. So it was no surprise in 1925 when Norman went to the Chamber of Commerce under the guise of civic duty and offered to build a radio station that would popularize Iowa throughout the world. Oh, yep. And it definitely worked because, you know, when I think of America, I think Iowa. What is in Iowa? Corn? What does Iowa even have? I went to a camp that was called Camp Iowa, but it wasn't spelt like Iowa. It was spelt differently because it was an acronym for Jesus. I don't think that's the same, but I mean, Iowa could also be an acronym for Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I can't think of a single thing that I know that's from Iowa. Like, what is there to do in Iowa other than grow corn and think about Jesus Christ? Like, I I think that's is about o- it. Is Oklahoma in Iowa? No. Is Oklahoma I thought from- Iowa was a different state. Is it? Okay. I don't Oklahoma, know. Oklahoma, Texas? Is Texas Oklahoma? No, Texas is also another state. Oh, is Oklahoma a state? I, okay, let me look this up. I'm pretty sure. We're not Americans, so we don't know. Hold on. 
<laughs> Oklahoma, Iowa, and Texas are all separate states, Morgan. Damn it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know what they share? You know what they share? You know why it's easy to get confused? They all share in a love of racism <laughs> and <laughs> football and barbecue. Ah, okay. Yep. That makes sense. And guns. Anyways. <laughs> I really hope I don't get killed by anyone who's an American Southern person. <laughs> I'm sure you have great things out there like cowboy hats. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> All that Norman asked for in return for this radio station was free electricity, water, and taxes. So he's like, I'll I mean, do this, but... At least he wasn't, like, it's not like he was asking for a bunch of money. It was just basically, like, room and board. <laughs> Technically, but he, it gets sketchy. So oh. the city fathers gave Norman what he wanted, and he promised daily talks about the area to publicize it in hopes of luring new industry and employers to the sleepy Iowa town he'd found himself in. He secured a license for a 500-watt station. He chose the now infamous call letters KTNT, and he built this station on the highest hill of the area, which overlooked the Mississippi River. Is that where the Mississippi River is? Does it go? <laughs> I love how this episode we're just more concerned with American geography. Does the Mississippi River go all the way from Mississippi through like Iowa? Because Mississippi is also a state, is it not? Right? Uh, yeah, yeah, but I think, I don't know where they are in relation to each other, but they must. Okay, are so- Are they beside each other, maybe? Morgan and I need to take an American geography class. I would much rather eat my shoe. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. All right, anyways, um- on Thanksgiving Day in 1925, KTNT took to the air for the first time. Norman understood the natural... Wait, unhealthy. Alicia. Wait. Yeah? The Mississippi River literally goes from the top of America all the way down to the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> it's the second longest river um, in North America. <laughs> What's the longest then? Hudson Bay drainage system. What the f- What? It literally goes all the way down to the Gulf of Mexico. <laughs> that's, that's just... I, I, why is it called the Mississippi River then? Because that makes it sound like it's only in Mississippi, it, so you can understand my confusion. I think maybe it starts in Mississippi. Oh my god, America, why? Also, I don't think Mississippi is a state. What? Mississippi, where is that? I think it might be. Oh, it is, wait! <laughs> That's what I'm saying! No, it starts at the top of America, but Mississippi is like almost down at the bottom next to Louisiana. Where is the naming of, okay, whatever, let's just... I... I would like to also state for the record, I, I forgot that Louisiana was also its own state. The southern half of America is very confusing to me, um, especially like the, that specific area, because they all seem like the same thing. Mm -hmm. Anyways, on Thanksgiving Day in 1925, 
KTNT took to the air for the first time. Norman understood the natural unease and distrust of the rural population had towards big urban business. But he Mm. came out swinging, framing the argument as little KTNT versus the radio trust. He was fighting for the freedom of the airways, and his message resonated loudly with his rural audience. KTNT was only licensed for 500 watts, but often broadcast at 10,000. Jesus, I don't so his, understand airwaves. That what that like means? Okay, so I I found this in the article. I I think this was on Wikipedia. Um, meaning that his signal could reach over a million homes. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So here's where we get back to our favorite hotel. In 1937, Norman Baker bought the Crescent Hotel and turned it into a hospital. Okay. Yeah, no, that's, yeah. At what point did this man ever show interest in becoming a medical professional? Oh, none. (laughs) He has no medical expertise at all. He's been a um, vaudeville performer. He's been a inventor um, and a radio host. He has not (laughs) at any point in time received a medical degree. Um, He used his radio station to advertise for it, and he hired Harry Hoxie, which is the most 1930s name I've ever heard. A villain Um, origin name. Literally. He's another infamous cancer quack um, that was like a fake doctor from that time. So some found it curious that Norman would hire him and his treatment if he already had a cure for cancer because that was like his big radio ad was that he had found the cure for cancer. Mm. So anyways, in 1930, Norman had made just in terms of like selling this, like miracle cure on the side while doing his radio stuff before actually buying the hotel, $4,400,000. Jesus. which is the equivalent of 4.8 million dollars today oh my god <laughs> so as norman is in is purchasing this hotel john tunis yeah john tunis's wife lula was dying of cancer mm, oh by the end of may lula was running out of time John placed her and their dwindling hopes in the hands of a man named Norman Baker. They prayed that he could provide the cure that the medical establishment could not. And by all appearances, they did have reason to hope. Norman Baker was, by this point, like a renowned figure, um, especially in rural Iowa. And he was on his way to founding something called the Baker Institute and purchasing this hotel to turn it into a revolution. Oh my God. A revolutionary cancer Institute. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So like they see all these things and they think this guy must know what he's doing. You'd hope. (laughs) Yeah. Because Norman Baker's whole thing by this point was that he believed that organized medicine was corrupt and chose profits over patients, which isn't all that incorrect when we look at big pharma i mean he was kind of right oh yeah the fact that you can literally be turned away because your insurance won't cover something in america specifically 
Yeah, yeah. So like, he wasn't that wrong. I mean, what he's, what I'm going to tell you, he did was wrong, but I'm saying like that thought at least was, he's not far off. Um, So Norman, not being a doctor, why did I say that so weird? Doctor. (laughs) Doctor. Um, Norman, not being a doctor or having any medical degree whatsoever, thought that he could treat cancer patients. Surprise, surprise, many people died. In the hotel today, you can actually still locate the old morgue of what used to be the hospital. E. Morgan looks mm-hmm. terrified. Um. I'm uncomfy. Um, Norman's treatment of his patients surrounded curing potions. And I like to pretend it was just like straight bourbon that he put just like a different label on. He seems like that kind of an asshole. Um, yeah, but bourbon might have actually been more soothing than what was really in his potions. This was what he thought could cure cancer, Morgan. Watermelon seeds, brown corn silk, and carbolic acid. I mean, has anyone tried it? (laughs) Several. (laughs) Several people. (laughs) He swindled his patients out of a present-day equivalent of $4 million in one year. This guy is just raking in the cash. Oh my god. Out of all the patients he had treated, no one was cured. No one. Not a single one. Shocking no one. <laughs> Everyone died. Um, on top of that weird little juice thing he would give them, he would also mm-hmm. take extractions of flesh from his patients. Despite the fact that he was not a doctor, let alone a surgeon so he just like didn't know what he was cutting but he was just like cutting shit off of people like this will help Uh, yeah um don't like that what what's even shittier about this is that nobody had a clue that norman didn't know what he was doing Uh, yeah i know that checks out yeah everyone was just like like, okay as long as someone was as long as someone was confident enough about saying it, people were like, he knows. He knows what he's doing. People were like, sure. Like, he, he's, a, he's a dude. He has money. He knows what he's doing. Um, yeah. People trusted him and trusted the lives of their loved ones with him. Um, John Tunis, who I mentioned, the husband of Lula, who had been sent to Norman's hospital, testified against him in court. During her time at this hospital, air quotes, Lula received needle treatments. Five or seven needles a day were stuck to her, and they would hold the needers, needers, oh my God. (laughs) Fuck me. They would hold the needles to her repeatedly until the medicine ran out. Lula was dead by Christmas. Yeah. Oh my God. This is why I have trust issues. Mm-hmm. Why I have trust issues. Um, <laughs> so although incredibly tragic, Lula's story is far from unique. It could be interchanged that with hundreds of other desperate cancer sufferers who came to Norman Baker looking for a cure, only found suffering and death. 
Yeah. So his empire grew so large that he ran actually several alternative medicine hospitals in Iowa and Eureka Springs for nearly a decade. Oh. So during this decade, like into the 1940s, Norman led a very wild and very like catch me if you can-esque life because he was a con artist. He had just conned himself into all of these different things yeah um because of that i had to leave a lot of the in-between crap out of this episode or else it would take like literally four hours just all the random shit he was doing in the 1940s but here's the gist of it cole's notes the medical the american medical association eventually found out what he was doing and filed suit on him norman Mm -hmm. nearly crapped his pants with this information fled to mexico to build a new radio station so that he would be out of reach to continue just about his bullshit and then he ran an even smaller cancer clinic in mexico until he grew restless anyways he comes back and as soon as he comes back from mexico he was arrested by the authorities and charged with using the mail to defraud which i'm like i think he did more than that yeah (laughs) but anyways that's the one official thing they could nab him on the trial was held in january of 1940 in little rock and norman was found guilty on all counts he appealed the decision but it was denied the opinion handed down by the court of appeals said that norman's cancer cure was a pure hoax true uh-huh <laughs> anyways he arrived at leavenworth federal penitentiary to serve guess how long um two weeks four years Uh, okay well (laughs) which is which is by the way how long it takes to complete an undergrad technically yeah he could have just done that but no (laughs) he decided to kill people instead um norman was released from prison on july 19th of 1944 he retired to the place that all white racists go Florida. And he lived there as a comfortable millionaire until his death in 1958. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Big sigh. Yep. Big sigh. Mm-hmm. Big sigh. Um, we're going to keep going through this more. We're going to keep time traveling for a little bit longer. I won't keep Ooh, you much okay. longer, I promise. But mm-hmm. in 1997, which is arguably a fantastic year, uh, my birth year. <laughs> Let's meet Marty and Elise Ronick. Um, okay. Marty and Elise, a lovely couple, I'm sure, purchased the hotel. Okay. Slash hospital. Slash death place for hundreds of people. Um, <laughs> when they bought it, it was anything but grand. It was in pretty bad shape. Mm-hmm. So the primary reason that Marty and Elise were like, hmm, let's buy this like haunted old cancer facility was because they had a history as preservationists. So they wanted to see this hotel as like a hotel again and try to like overcome its really negative past, which I'm like, I get that that's very valiant, but also like do something else with your time. (laughs) Maybe pick like an old Victorian house that has seen happy years. Like maybe don't. Yeah. Maybe don't pick the cancer hotel that killed hundreds of people um anyways in may of 2000 at a huge garden party in the hotel's fountain garden 
the the Ronix announced their 10-year goal to fully restore the Crescent to its original grandeur. The event was called the Dawning of the Crescent's Second Golden Age, which is a very long event title, I just want to say. Yeah, I thought you were going to go towards the dawning of the age of Aquarius, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Missed opportunity. (laughs) Missed opportunity, that's what they should have done. Um, So, silver lining... Marty and Elise did achieve their goals, giving the Crescent a second life. Okay. Although an influx of new vacationers was not all that Marty and Elise would be dealing with. It appeared that the previous residents of the Crescent were here to stay. Oh, oh, I get it. (laughs) See what I did there? Squatters? Ghosts. Ghost squatters. (laughs) Ghost squatters. Isn't oh that technically God. what all ghosts are? They're squatters. <laughs> They're the person that just stays too long at the party. Yeah. Um, so They're not paying rent. Yeah, they're not. And they shouldn't. Um, <laughs> especially ones that were <laughs> cancer patients. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so on the roof of the hotel is where the morgue is which is now staged for ghost walks and other tourist activities. It's probably one of the greatest sites for paranormal activity and has been one of the most haunted spots in the United States. I'm sorry. The roof? I think, like, the roof is covered or something. Like, I don't think it's, like, an open-air morgue. I don't think they were just, like... but I I don't think I've ever of a morgue being on the roof of a building that's true like, like wouldn't it make more it... sense to put it in the basement because why well, are you yeah. bringing all the bodies up to bring them back down again do you know what i mean i guess like it doesn't well i've never really thought about the fact that maybe it doesn't really matter what level the morgue is on but like it just seems like it just seems like it's always in the basement i was gonna say it seems counterintuitive to like bring everybody up and then bring them back down again yeah you know like i was confused um anyway sorry okay sorry i was muting my phone um so (laughs) children can be seen huddled under an autopsy table pleading for help there have also been sightings of a baker patient seen in and around room 419 also known as Theodora's room in the early morning. Ooh. In the middle of the night, loud squeaking of wheels in the third floor corridors wake up guests in the middle of the night, often accompanied by sightings of nurses pushing corpse-covered gurneys down the hall. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. People have reported seeing other people vanish into thin air. And screams that seem to come with within the walls of the building. Cool, 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 cool. No normal things, normal things. You know it's haunted as fuck when the walls start screaming. Even the walls yeah. don't want to be there. <laughs> Let us out. I want to leave. Um, it's just like floral wallpaper. <laughs> I did not get picked from Pier 1 to be here. Um, <laughs> this paranormal hotspot has 
drawn more than 15 national and international television production companies to visit um, and air ghostly episodes on the hotel. Two such notable programs are the travel channels Ghost Adventures and sci-fi oh, channels yeah. Ghost Hunters, which we've seen oh, both these shows. Yeah. yeah, so oh, if you go on YouTube, hunters. you can find the episodes <laughs> of this hotel. Um, Marty and Elise have tried to make the best out of their situation, um, but it's rumored that the morgue is also a portal to hell itself so the hotel is literally a portal <laughs> to oh, speaking hell. of buffy it's the, the is the morgue the hellmouth is that <laughs> the crescent hotel is the hellmouth everybody oh um, god <laughs> so in order to commemorate the grisly past of this place the morgue complete with autopsy table and a walk-in cooler where Baker's stored cadavers and body parts are open for public viewing as a part of the hotel's nightly ghost tour. Um, This also includes the burial site and the archaeological dig site where uh, Norman Baker discarded a bunch of his, like, crap. Mm. It, It really makes me wonder if we are leaving an area, and oh, fuck me, not an area. Hold on. Okay, (laughs) my brain cells just left the building. It makes me wonder if we're slowly leaving an era where the threat or idea of ghosts are scary. So instead of truly escaping their fate at the hands of Norman Baker, the patients of the Crescent are now forever doomed to be tourist attractions. Hmm. Yeah, that's upsetting. That's really sad. Can you imagine being like, I was tortured by this guy for years and now I'm stuck at this place and I have to watch people from like the southern states walk around in board shorts and (laughs) cargo pants. Like, I. Yeah. I would hate to be a ghost in a hotel. You have to wonder, like, when we think of ghosts, are ghosts actually the person or are they like the bit of their spirit that like still is there you know i would like to hope it's the full entire person because i think i'd be hilarious as a ghost i think i would really like spice up someone's life by haunting your house i think i would Mm. just add that little bit of like some something to their day like i don't think i'd do anything truly haunting like truly like terrifying i think i would just do things like i would like move shit around or like they'd come Mm. out and there'd be like um like you know those fries you like like frozen French fries made on on the stove. I'd be like, I made you fries. Like mm-hmm. I popped a frozen mm-hmm. pizza in the oven. You know, mm-hmm. get your carbs. Do you think or do you? Th- <laughs> oh my God, here's uh oh you forgot to turn the oven off when you left home. I I did it for you. I noticed you unplug you didn't unplug your straightener, so I did it for you. You're welcome. Yeah, didn't burn down the house. You're welcome. I fed the cat for you. You forgot. Um. I would just be so helpful. I'd be like, oh, yeah. I answered your emails. <laughs> um, your vacuum turned on in the middle of the night. What the fuck's that? Oh, yeah, it's just the ghost. They clean. She, she likes to stress clean in the middle of the night. I, <laughs> just what else are you supposed to do with eternity? Like, you might as well, like, help a sis out, like, you know? Yeah. Well, my thing is that, like, is it, have you seen Haunting of Bly Manor, right? Mm-hmm spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't do you think maybe like ghosts are 
like um the lady of Bly Manor where like they they're a person at first but then like they slowly forget who they are so they just continue to do like monotonous tasks and like the like pathing that they like that's why like ghost sightings are so like on the nose like timing wise and stuff and it's always the same thing over and over again like do you think that eventually like and do you think eventually those ghosts like forget who they are so it's maybe not even like they're being tortured anymore they're just following what they're yeah I totally think that's a theory because let me tell you, mm-hmm. I do the same thing and I'm alive. I forget yeah. who I am like all the time. So habits, man. <laughs> like I enter a room and I don't know why I'm there. So I can imagine that ghosts who've been doing the same shit for like hundreds of years do not even know that they're ghosts or no. they just are like, I'm gonna just do what I do every day. And they have no idea. Mm-hmm um that's my theory (laughs) thank you for coming to my ted talk perfect (laughs) oh well this month has made me very scared to stay in hotels uh between talks of the hotel cecil and Mm -hmm. um the crescent hotel i honestly just do your research man like i don't even stay in hotels anymore i do airbnbs when and if i I travel yeah it it depends Um, if i'm going to like somewhere rural or like not rural, but like cottage country, I'll do an Airbnb. But if I'm in like a city, like, like, um, I don't know, London or something, then sometimes I'll do a hotel. Depends on the price, really. That's fair. I still do Airbnbs in like, like the first time Julie and I went to New York, we did an Airbnb just because it almost makes you feel like a little bit more like entrenched in like the city because you're not like, by the way, we're talking pre-COVID. We are not traveling right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, like, I I kind of, there's, like, a time and place for when you want to get away and feel pampered, and that's, like, in my head where the hotel comes in. Yeah. Like, you really want it to be, like, like a, you want, like, a fancy hotel with a nice bathtub. Not that I have ever stayed in anything that's not, like, a fucking <laughs> Howard Johnson. <laughs> um, but, Hit me up Holiday Inn. Yeah, truly. Um, but... There's something, especially because Airbnbs end up being, like, probably cheaper now. And, like, you also get the option, especially with, like, most Airbnbs, it's, like, a house. So you end up getting, or, like, an apartment. So you end up getting, like, a fridge and a stove and stuff so that, like, you don't have to eat out all the time either. So, I don't know. Like, the the place that Julie and I stayed in the first time we went to New York, there was a radiator that literally just screamed throughout the whole night and that really gave a character <laughs> that was a ghost so yeah, yeah. this has been such a well-rounded episode of the bazaar we've given you um waxing recommendations we've given yeah. you tv show recommendations mm-hmm. um we've talked about haunted hotels and mm-hmm. now we're circling it right back up in a nice beautiful package with giving you airbnb recommendations um, for when the pandemic is over do for not when the right pandemic now. is over please do not travel or i will personally smack you um <laughs> with a swiffer so that i maintain six feet distance like i'll smack you yes. with the head of the swiffer um uh-huh. yeah this this has been really fucking bizarre <laughs> boy has it 